It's October 20th, 2022. It is Thursday at 4.13 a.m. in the morning. I'm your host, Jesse Squawks. What I want to talk about today is obviously the state of the world, the state of America, because that's where I'm from. But what I want to talk about, first of all, I want to say this. I want people to know I have never voted in the 37 years of my existence. I am neither Democrat nor Republican. I see evil in both sides. So please do not categorize me as a Democrat or Republican because I am neither. I like neither. There are horrible and good things about both parties. Remember what dude that our last president said, um, Donald Trump? Uh, It's a soundbite they always play is how I know it. What? Hold on, give me a second here. Oh, uh, he was talking about... Who cares what he was talking about, but he said, there's good people on both sides, you know, or whatever, and he was talking about some horrible stuff. Well, there really is in the Democratic Party and Republican Party, there are good people on both sides, bad people on both sides, there's evil on both sides and good on both sides. So, you know, it's you really can't pick either one of them. I heard somebody say, oh, you have to choose your evil, you know. It's, no, I'm not choosing either one, I'm just going to talk about both of them. But, maybe I should stop saying but, let me continue. Do you live in America? Do you live in America today? If not, well, you might not even want to listen to this. Even if you do, you might not want to listen to this because you are American. And guess what? Because you are an American, you have the choice. The choice. You have the choice to do things just like this. I mean, you could do this in other countries. Unless you're in Iran right now and they've uh, restricted you internet access. Or, you know, maybe you're in Ukraine right now and just being blown to pieces by Russian bombs. I don't know, you know, but... Maybe you can't use the internet, but here in America, we're almost always able to use the internet. We're almost always to go, we're almost always able to go to our sink and get a drink of water, if that's where we choose to get a drink of water from. Obviously, most of us go buy bottled water, and you know, it's the funny thing about bottled water is, uh, I was watching a video once, and they were comparing, you know, bottled water from Walmart, Walmart brand bottled water, just, you know, store-bought brand water water. Bottled water, bottled water, and comparing it to sink water, and come to find out, the bottled water you buy is no better than your sink water. If you really want good water, you need to buy some type of filter and filter your sink water. Or if you really want to go all out, go buy. What they're saying is already filtered water and good clean water and then, you know, filter it again yourself because that's the only way to truly know. And if you really want to be safe, boil it and then filter it again because, you know, you never know what you're drinking today. And and if I I could get into the subject of 
what we're drinking today. Listen to this. Do you think these major pharmaceutical companies, when they started making medications for mental illnesses and all kinds of, you know, illnesses, period, painkillers, blah, 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 all the pills they have. Do you think that these companies thought for one second how they are going to filter this when they are pouring millions upon millions of pills into our rivers and oceans? How are they going to filter this water that we drink? They weren't thinking about that back then, and they have absolutely no way to filter these medications that are going into your water that you drink. And you do not have to take my word for anything. Go do the research yourself. Go do the research of how many medications are in the water we're drinking today. Just do the research yourself. Don't take my word for it. But if you do live in America, you know today it's a messed up country today. It really is. People want to say this is a better country today than it was in 1998, the year 2000. Just 22 years ago, they're absolutely wrong. Way, way off. I apologize, I do smoke medical marijuana. I have the medical card. I get it from a dispensary in Ottawa, Illinois called Vera Life. I am not promoting that dispensary either. A lot of the times their stuff is dry or just, you know, short. You go there and buy 3.5 grams, and you only get 3.1. It's insane. It's about 4.20 in the morning right now, 4.19 a.m., October 20th, Thursday, 2022. And I am probably one of the most uneducated, <laughs> unfunny, I don't even know the word, uncomical, unfunny, you know, whatever, hosts you will ever have. But once I get going, once I can get on a subject and stick on it and actually think about it and I can sound a little educated about it even though I'm not for now though here's some more slowed down BBC News intro host is back. Not that it's very, you know, not that this is entertaining, really, to be honest with you. And I'm being very honest. I know this is not entertaining. But if you want a little bit about my life, <clears throat> that's too damn bad. No, I'm just kidding. But, you know, let's go back to 2020, the beginning of 2020. You know, I first heard of the coronavirus 
January 6th of 2020. I think it had, like, uh, taken out eight people and infected over a hundred by then. Or maybe that was the 26th of January. I don't really remember. But anyway, I was, uh, talking about this on Facebook and listen to this. I was telling people that, you know, I've been hearing from certain underground people like on YouTube and this, that something's going to happen and you need to be prepared for it, blah, blah, blah. At least get have, you know, six months worth of water and six months worth of food for you and your family saved up just in case, blah, blah, blah. And I kept hearing this before 2020. Then all of a sudden the coronavirus hit. And I started telling people, I think this is what they were talking about. Maybe we should buy some extra food. Man, my uh, kid's mom bought a gun that year. Her first gun. We bought extra food, extra water for the first time ever. I mean, it was... And we did this before it got all messed up in March. You know, I was having my boss get me a bottle, or not a bottle, a case of water. Every time he brought me anything to my house, I'd be like, hey, could you run me a case of water while you're at it, too? And I was happy I did that stuff because in March they restricted how many cases of water you could get, how many things of eggs you could get, how many gallons of milk you could get, how many things of toilet paper you could get. And they restricted everything. You couldn't get four of anything. You had to get two of this, two of that, blah, blah, blah. I mean, there were some items that you could get that were unrestricted. And hey, you know what wasn't in shortage during the coronavirus, the beginning? baby formula but all of a sudden this year in 2022 baby formula became a shortage milk became a shortage i have pictures from stores i went to saying we're sorry for the shortage we don't know when we'll be back in stock you know that's insane to hear from a grocery store they don't know when they're going to get milk again that's pretty uh bad if you live in america and that's how i started this is talking about we have you know, access to water, to whatever we want here. We are very, very comfortable here, and we don't even know it or think it. Like, if you're a, a low-class family that rents a house, and you have a job, and you're able to pay that rent at least and put food on the table, I ain't saying you should be happy with your life. I'm saying if you were in any other country, like go down to South America, go to Mexico, go to Europe, go to any other country, you're going to see how much harder it is there than it is here as a low class, a low income family. You're going to see that at least you have running water here. And, you know, like here in the winter, they can't shut the water or heat off. You know, there's or they can't shut the heat off. I believe they can shut the water off. But, you know, here, we are very lucky here. I, I, and I'm not the greatest person to be explaining why we're lucky. I'm Like I said, I'm uneducated. Every single form of education I got, <clears throat> even my eighth grade diploma, I got in the LaSalle County Detention Home. My GED, I got in Illinois Department of Corrections and Vienna Correctional Center. My welding certificate, my beginner's welding certificate that I passed with honors and I am proud of, I got in Sheridan Correctional Center through Illinois Valley Community College. 
but it was still in prison. And all my degrees or whatever you want to call it, all my education comes from jail. I started getting locked up when I was 11, and I did not stop until I was 31. The last time I was incarcerated, it was because... And I, I am... This is the thing I am mo the most ashamed of in my entire life. I have shot up heroin. I have drank. I've been an alcoholic, a drug addict. I, I've done many things. I've stolen. I've taken stuff right out of people's hands. I've you know robbed. I've been a thief. Whatever. And this here, what I'm about to talk about, is what I am ashamed of and, and hurts me the most. And when I think about it, it still bothers me. But I had ended up getting into an altercation with my kid's mother. And that's where I will leave it. And I ended up cutting my wrist and after the situation was over because I felt so horrible. I didn't want to live. I couldn't believe who I'd become, that I, I have become like my father. And uh, my father I have nothing to do with and haven't had anything to do with since I was six years old. My other two brothers do, and they try, like, keeping the guy in their life, and I don't know why. In fact, my older brother right now has moved back in with him. Him and his husband moved in with my father. But the only reason they moved in with him is because they had nowhere else to go, and they were being evicted or kicked out or, or whatever was going on with their situation. And that's where they had to go, um, my younger brother. But, you know, what? I, I'm somebody who will never have a relationship with my father again. In fact, he's not my father to me. He's not my dad. I don't even call him that. His name is Ron Dorn. When I was younger, from the age fucking of being able to remember until six, I watched this man sexually abuse every little girl that was brought into that house around me. I had two brothers. Luckily, you know, we were all males, and we were not touched or harmed by that man ourselves, but we were forced as young, young children to try to do sexual things that we couldn't even comprehend. And and the things that man made me do, you know, or try to do, and, and the things I watched him do, to the little girls around me, family, friends. I mean, there was this family of people, I will not say their names, but they're still family friends to this day to me. And I don't have like a big, they moved away to another state, like all of them, but um, they are a good, like, I grew up with these people and they didn't have nowhere to live one time. And, and my dad, like said, you can live with me. And oh, they had little girls and th that guy, all I can say is I have children, and uh, from the age 11 to 13, I met a man when I was six years old after I stopped seeing my father, after my mom got communication cut off for whatever reason. I still don't know to this day how she did it, and I will never be able to know because she passed away in a car crash when I was 17. Um, but that dude, Ron Dorn, and oh, I'm my fault. After I was done with Ron Dorn, my biological father, I met this dude named Ron Robinson. I should have known right away his name was fucking Ron. But he became like a stepfather. Now, what this guy did was I met him when he was six. My mom was, you know, single and not with anybody at all at the time. And uh, he didn't start dating my mom, but he, like, became a part of our lives. And, like, he grew 
into our lives and like stayed in our lives until I was 11. When I was 11, he started dating my mom. And by this time, he had become like who I wanted to be my dad. I wanted this guy to be my dad. I loved this man more than I loved my own father. I loved him just as much as my mother. I trusted him with all my heart. He was the best thing that ever happened to me. My life, I was actually happy from the age six until the age 11. Then uh, I went out until he got a job for Trucks for You out of Muskogee, Oklahoma, and I went out into the semi-truck with him, and we went to Wisconsin, and he raped me and molested me for the first time ever and threatened to kill my mother, my two brothers, all my animals, all my family, me, scared the life out of me that day and then you know continued to do it for two years after that and to the point where he was taking me out one year he took me out of school a month early so I can spend more time and I spent the whole summer with him and that summer was the worst summer of my life I went to Mexico for the first time I, I, I swam in the ocean for the first time and you think them events would be nice and no way I was sold in Mexico to some Latinos, or I thought I was being sold forever. I thought I was, I thought I wasn't going to see anybody ever again. He brought me into this little bar. We sat down at the bar. He got two drinks. He tried giving me one of them. It looked like dirty water. He said it was beer. I didn't want nothing to do with it. I was 13 at the time. And uh, I'm like, no, I'm good. So about 45 minutes, an hour comes by, and these four dudes come in, really small, short guys, too, fucking, like, I was 13, and I, I was taller than them, I, I was, and I'm thinking in my head, how is this possible, you know, like, but anyway, they brought me back to this little, he, he brought me back to this little room with them, it's just like a little room with just this, like, really thick curtain or something like it was like heavier than my body but you could move it with you can move it over slide it over but anyway they brought me into this room and I watched these guys give him money they gave him money and then he said bye and that's like the what I remember and the next couple hours after that were pure hell that's all I will say. They were hell, and, and there are moments in my life that I wish I never, ever, if I could erase, like people say, oh, you need your memories, to, you know, blah, 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 so you can become who you are. Fuck those memories. If I could erase them, I fucking wouldn't have in a heartbeat in a second. But I never thought I was coming home that day. When I seen him again, I, I wanted to kill him. You know, he'd already been hurting me for so long, and then then he did that, and, and the fear I had of just never... I didn't even give a shit what they were doing to me. Fear I had, and they were punching me and choking me, and you could not imagine. Or you could imagine, I don't know. But, um... I wanted to kill him, you know. Anyway, fucking time goes on, and... Um, he loses that job, and he ends up having to bring me home. My mom starts threatening him, like, hey, you know, he's got, I was late for school, for, she signed me up for school and all that, or, and I, I wasn't, I wasn't there. So he had to bring me back to Illinois. So he brought me back there, and then 
I, uh, I got angry one day, and we were at one of a mutual friend's house that my mom knew and him knew, and I threatened to tell on him. And uh, before he could like get a hold of me, I went by his uh, people, the mutual friends, and I told him I need a ride to my house now. And I told him I was telling. And by the time I got home, this is a seven to eight minute drive, by the way. By the time I got home, he had already called my mother and told her that he has been raping me and molesting me for the past two years. <laughs> and when I came inside uh, my house, there was a fucking house full of people. There was a party going on. My mom was throwing this little party and everyone was drunk and fucking just... There's just a bunch of people there. And when I went in, everybody's just like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And they're all crying. My mom comes flying around the corner, screaming at the top of her lungs, Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? And then I just fucking turned around and ran the fuck away. And I ran away for three days straight, and I didn't come back, and I was out in the... Sandy's, M&H they call it. I was out in the Sandy's and I finally got hungry and thirsty and I went home and then the state police questioning and LaSalle police questioning and all the police and then that's when I said fuck it and this dude was so sick you have no idea. He was giving me pictures. I, I gave him all the pictures, all the little weird letters and things he wrote and Showed the cops everything this dude like had secretly built up of me that I knew where it was. And the stuff I knew where it was in his vehicle, I told him that too. So you can call me a snitch. And I put this predator away for only 14 years. But let me tell you something, a very true story. He got out in 2009. And he died in 2009. Everybody have a good day.